This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Trigger warning for you today. The pod includes a story about loss, just to let you know at the beginning. And if you go to my show notes, you'll find a link there. I've got some great resources on the Wrap Your Head Around Silks website, including a free mini course, easy to register to get onto the student portal. Check that out. Today's guest is my good friend, Jerry Calvin. She is a mainstay in the LA circus and stunt world. She lives with her family, Jack, her husband, uh, and Ozzy and Max and her stepdaughter, Ellen, at JJ Gym, which is somewhere I've been training for 12 plus years. And most people who live in LA have trained there before. She has an incredible story of her career, her birth stories, and raising two boys in today's world. She is somebody that I look up to, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear straight from her. Let's get started. You have a very busy week. We were on um, the set call of Angeline, and uh, are you familiar with the Flying Morgans? No, what's that? It's a circus family. They're they're just good friends of ours. Um, Basically, they're they're fun. It, It was it was a fun set. We were juggling fire, and fire is not my thing. I'm juggling is. Well, not really my thing. I have to work really hard at Wait, it. you are a pretty advanced juggler. How is it not your thing? Is it just doesn't come easily <laughs> to you? <laughs> I'm very confused by that. Well, I, I can see that you think that and perceive that until you join the juggling world and you see that you're not even on the charts. I mean, to be a real juggler, you have to juggle five five things and um you know it's it's juggling is just when always not come easy for me but i've always had fun with it so that's how i ended up and on stage as a juggler because jack was there and he can catch anything i throw at him there we go i love it so, well you know honestly it's very weird to say, but strength is not my thing and I'm an aerialist. So I guess it's the same thing. Right. Like it's something that yeah. it's something that fights me. Yeah. So, okay. I can understand because me saying that, that might sound weird too. Again, like mm-hmm. I'm strong enough and you're coordinated enough, but you just don't feel like compared to your, like the other amazing jugglers well, around you maybe. Well, if you're performing juggling, it's not so much the skill level, although that helps. It is the show. It's the entertainment value that you give. So juggling is just, uh, we call it a juggling show, but it's really a entertaining comedy show. Yeah. And I've seen Jerry and Jack perform at the Magic Castle, which if you've never been to the Magic Castle in LA, it's like a super treat because- 
like imagine Disneyland, but for adults to me, that's what I, and (laughs) it's, it's been in LA for so long and, um, it's, it's, it's like a fun house. It's awesome. So Jerry Calvin is the owner of JJ Jim, which is a mainstay in our city. It's odd that we don't have a lot of places to train, but we just don't in our city. And Jack and Jerry have turned their the back of their house into a space where you can juggle and do aerial and do any type of discipline. They have an acro night. I've known Jerry for as long as I've been doing aerial because that's where I first started taking classes with Rachel. So I think that Max, who is now 16, was two and a half when I first met you. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. And Oz was not born. Ozzy was not yet a human. How old is Ozzy now? And now he's 12. He's 12 now. So I've known Jerry for roughly 13, 14 years. And that's how long I've been doing Ariel. She's just been a mainstay in my life. And, uh, you know, somebody I look up to and somebody I go to for advice. She's a little bit older than me. And just, you know, she did the kid thing earlier than I did. And the marriage thing a little earlier than I did. So I always come to you sometimes when I need a little advice. But... Jerry is a multidisciplinary circus artist. You do it all. So she, would you say you started as a stunt woman? I started as a PE teacher. Okay. And Seattle, Washington, I was um, inspired by circus arts because it was so individual. I could find something uh, that was good for all the kids or or maybe it's better to say that you could really meet individual needs. There's the tight wire walker, there's the juggler, there's the unicyclist. And I was all about the individual and meeting those needs and making it successful for all the kids. So that's how I got into circus. Um, I started as a gymnast, I guess. And so I had some basic skills and uh, then my brother uh, was went into the stunt world in Hollywood and um, I was in a transition period in my life when I was between teaching jobs and I came down to LA to test some stunts for him. And that was for the movie Spider-Man. And we did some big giant falls. I'm, I have always been very athletic and we did cliff jumping and horse riding and all kinds of stuff as a kid. So I did the test for him so he could show the previs to the director. And then I ended up as um, Kirsten Dunst's stunt double. Yes. Well, and, back when Tobey uh, Maguire was Spider-Man, right? Yeah. The very first one, the best one. Ah, the that's original. what I think too. <laughs> With Sam Raimi. And uh, yeah, so I was plunged into the the world of Hollywood, which was as different as it can be from, uh, you know, the world of a teacher. Yeah. And you didn't live in LA before that? No, I lived in the Northwest. Like um, I was teaching in Seattle, Washington, Maple Valley, actually living on lakes and teaching PE, which I called movement education because I did my master's in dance education and integrating curriculum. So that was my, my love just teaching through movement. 
basics. Yeah, and and now you're thrust into the Hollywood community. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I jumped right in and jumped onto a very big uh, set and. And Sony Studios is where we were shooting. And and then um, I kept on getting stunt jobs. So, well, how long was the Spider-Man job? Uh, we started shooting in January. And I think it went through March, April. Yeah, so that's like a couple months of like really great paying work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and on one day on Spider-Man, one significant day where I was doing a lot of big high falls, I made more in one day than I had for my entire first year of, of school teaching. Wow. So that's really impressive, but then that's really sad as well. <laughs> yeah, it was mind boggling. Yeah, yeah. Um that's how LA feels like to me. Like the opportunity is there to make that type of money in one day, but it's like a lottery. Yeah. To like book a commercial, you can really hit the jackpot, but you're sometimes you're playing for a long time. I, yeah, that's how I describe it as yeah. well. It's playing, playing that long game. So after, after that movie, so did you end up doing one movie? Well, I went on to do Spider-Man 2, and my brother, uh, so my brother was the stunt coordinator on one, and then the deal fell through. He did not get the job on Spider-Man 2, but I did. I went on to continue to uh, be the stunt double for Kirsten, and then... um, you know, I was doing other work, like on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, you know, just all kinds of shows. Uh, I think I didn't realize how well I was doing. I, th- I don't think anybody does realize that realize it when they're really doing well until they aren't doing well, you know. <laughs> well, you <laughs> just, you just ride the, the wave. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, you continued to do Spider-Man 2, but the person who even got you the job did not get his job back. Which is common, that was my which brother. is very common. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, because I was established as Kirsten's double and uh, we got along well. And she um, requested that I get that job. Um, they did bring in a bunch of other people, which I was surprised about, but I was still relatively new. And uh, we all lined up in a room and Kirsten actually said, well, I thought Jerry was going to be my double. So ah, that, that that does help. So that was good. And then I um, kind of assumed I was going to get the next one. And the coordinator on the show said, uh, yeah, we'll be calling you. And meantime, I uh, had a big uh, turn of events in my life. I, I met Jack, became pregnant with twins. And... The babies were due in June and Spider-Man was supposed to start shooting in the fall. And I thought I had the world by the tail and everything was going to be fine. And um, it didn't uh, quite turn out like I had planned. <laughs> Found out I had twins and not only that, a boy and a girl. Like I had two heartbeats and, 
And it was uh, what I always dreamed of. My family had a boy and a girl. I have one brother and um, I thought that was the way it was supposed to be. And and I can even um, imagine how lucky um, I was. And uh, fully confident that everything was going to be great. And we, you know, we started getting all the stuff ready for twins. And um, then kind of ran into some bumps in the road I'd say day it was only 29 weeks and I started um having you know a lot of pressure it just felt like pressure mm-hmm. and anyways uh I ended up all of a sudden started gushing blood and, oh wow um, I didn't know this 20 29 weeks you say yeah okay and we just got we did everything <laughs> We got married when I was pregnant. We bought a house. We, you know, moved into us. We did all the things, all the high stress things that that you can do in life. And I was uh, then being rushed to the hospital because I was gushing blood and obviously be a very bewildering experience. And uh, my doctor showed up and, um, said that we, they had to, you know, the babies had to be born early. And, uh, so it was kind of an emergency situation. And they said I had, I don't know it was like an abruption, I guess they, my life was in danger. And so were the babies, um, there was bleeding going on. And so the, the babies were born. I heard, um, my daughter cry coming out, you know, she, and she, if you know what APGAR is, she had an APGAR of eight, which is very good. Um, a healthy, a score for a baby, 10 is best. And then, um, so, um, Mallory came out first and then Max and, you know, they were tiny, they were two and a half, three pounds, I think. And, uh, but I was in this fog. I, uh, these, this was, you know, not supposed to happen. And, um, and I was, it was, we went to Valley Presbyterian hospital. I didn't know that hospital. It was like, I just moved. I had been up in Santa Clarita, so I didn't know this place and hospital was not the best, but it was the closest one. So, um, the baby stayed in the intensive care unit and I, um, it was, it was, it was a terrible experience. I wanted to see my babies, you know, Mm -hmm. this happened like at nine at night and, um, the nurses were, uh, you know, very unattentive and they would say, well, we don't have enough people to take you up there. Yeah. I just felt, very alone and we also had um Ellen is Jack's daughter and so my stepdaughter and so he had he had to take her home so at times he wasn't there and Jerry I'm assuming they had they did a c-section to get the babies out yeah so you were in recovery for that yeah and the babies were in uh in a ICU slash NICU they were in a NICU. Okay. But uh, I ended up going home because you can only stay in the hospital like for, you know, four days. And 
And on the sixth day, they called me and I would go in, you know, I was pumping my, you know, I had, I got a, a breast pump and I was pumping and getting all the breast milk so that they could give it to the babies when they were ready. And six days uh, into it, they, my daughter started going into distress and uh, she, she died. You know, Jerry, I've never heard this whole story. I didn't realize that she'd been in the NICU for that long before that happened. It was something that um, I wasn't, well, nobody can be ready for it, but you could be more ready because they were, uh, they were doing all these things to my babies and they might, they weren't together. They should have been together in the same place and they should have been encouraging me to be there all the time. And they were not, they were really encouraging me to go home mm. in, in a better hospital. They would have been like, yeah, you be here. And you, you know, looking back on it, I realize how poor the care was. Yeah, and so frustrating. I honestly believe they made a mistake with her. She had, they, they had a 95% chance of surviving. It's pretty good. Mm. Right, because they didn't have anything else going on. It was just, it was just that they were out early. Yeah, the babies at that uh, age, especially twins, twins develop faster. They, the statistics say, you know, ninety five percent chance. They kept on taking them out for these tests, and I would say, well, what are you going to do with the results of the tests? Like, why are you doing this? And I really had the feeling that they were doing using my babies as guinea pigs or as they were doing tests that they didn't need to for their own data because they wouldn't do anything differently regardless of the results. And, and, and but as somebody who wasn't prepared for this, I didn't know how to stand up to them and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, they were just totally in charge. And um, the day that Mallory was crashing, I, I went in and I put my hand on her head and on her feet and the, a nurse came up to me and said, don't touch her. And it was like, uh, you know, it's those moments that I'll never uh, get over that. This is the terror, you know, of that. If anything, she needed her mother at that point. She needed that touch, you know. They gathered around and they did the heart compressions and she she died. There are some things I wish I, I knew, wasn't prepared, and um, maybe anybody listening to this would be more prepared to... To know that this can this can happen and that you're in charge and you're the mom and they'll try to tell you to go away. They might if you're in the wrong hospital, but um I've known Max since he was a toddler and he obviously knows that his twin didn't make it. Does he does he ever feel like a twin? Or does he feel like like what is We've always talked about Mallory. Like we, we've, we've never not talked about her as his twin. And um, I feel her and him. And 
he, yeah, he's very aware of her. Having twins and then losing one is, um, I can't, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. You, I have this beautiful baby and and I've lost a beautiful child and um, I had to be there for him. And as I was grieving deeply, but every year I make her. So every year on, on the birthday, I always make her a cake. So we have Max's cake and we have Mallory's cake. And um, she gets an angel food cake. And um, and so she's always there at the birthday. But I don't, you know, it's still Max's birthday. But he we put a candle on Mallory's cake and he blows it out and makes a wish for her. And, um, and then we go six days later or sometime during that week and we go out to the beach and we make sculptures in the sand and wish bottles. And we, we, you know, we do a variety of things, you know, to, to um, honor her and talk to her and remember her. I feel like that might be one of the most contradicting moments of any human experience. You know, grieving the loss of one twin and bringing home this beautiful baby boy. I, I cannot think of a lot of, I mean, maybe one crosses my mind. My really good friend from New York, uh, her sister had a baby and then their father died the same day. It's, it's kind yeah. of like, how do you, how, how does a human experience that high and that low at the same exact time? Um, I, I cannot imagine. And I certainly am glad that there was a high and there, that Max did get brought home happy and healthy mm-hmm. but it's yeah. like wow that is so much to wrap your head around yeah it's a lot yeah so yeah um I mean, and, and you said that deep sadness is always there. The listeners won't know this because I'm going to edit around it. But in the middle of our recording, Jerry and I are really good friends. So, you know, she's taken a couple of calls while we've been on this recording. I've taken care of the bean. I've gotten up to pee. <laughs> you know, we're not super, you know, it's not, you know, professional Zoom. You know, we're just, we're just getting it done with everything else. <laughs> And a minute or two before she told that part of the story that was super emotional, she was on the phone with the stunt coordinator having a professional conversation. And so (laughs) you can, I can see that those emotions, although tucked away are right on the surface when you, when, when you decide to go there, when you decide to feel it and talk about it. And that's, that's an incredible human thing too, to be so in touch with your feelings and to, and to have that deep well of emotions that is there 
but then you're, you know, you're a happy person. You're not sad all the time. I see you every week and (laughs) you're happily raising, you know, a tween and a teenager. Um, you know, it's, it's a dichotomy of, of different human emotions and the fact that you can do that, it just see it, it, it shows the, your depth that you have in yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not by choice, but, um, by. Yeah. Survival. Yeah. Um, and so I would always, <laughs> okay, Bean, she says, I want my blankie. I would <laughs> always say to Jerry before I went through a lot of dating and like a divorce and <laughs> I always wanted a kid and I would go into the gym and train and the boys would be in there. They have the family, their family show where they were juggling and doing this entertaining set. (laughs) And the big joke was I would come in to get my like daily dose of birth control (laughs) because those boys, they were like, one was like, you know, I don't know, seven. And the other one was like 11 or 12 and they were rolling their eyes. They didn't want to practice. They didn't want to do their homework. They didn't want to practice piano. They didn't want to do anything. And I feel like I haven't seen the boys do that in a long time. No, they, um, they have learned that it's kind of cool to have money and now (laughs) (laughs) and that when you work hard on your juggling and you're performing you can make money and buy things yeah we make a deal with them uh we don't do many shows but now it's like all right um we're offering you this much and they'll negotiate and that includes rehearsals and (laughs) Oh, so they're getting paid for rehearsals, and so they 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 uh, they do their job. Yeah, they you know they have their own cash now. You know, it was a little harder when they were younger because you know just to give. Well, they didn't know what their incentive was. Yeah, and what the right? money was, and it was just now they have their own bank accounts and their own debit cards, and they can. Yeah, they're learning that it's kind of fun to have their own money. Yeah, and they actually have more money than most kids because they, and I don't know when money gets released to them because of savings accounts and such, but you guys have been doing as family and as individuals commercial work years and years and years. So your boys as a family and individually have booked commercials and been in print ads. I remember that Ozzy did a print ad for this baby clothing company. He was the, he was the it boy for Janie and Jack for quite a while. Yes. And I would go into that little store and be like, there's Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty, he had pretty stunning, good looks. So they got some, we put some money away for whatever they need in the future. And I'm always impressed by, you and Jack, because you guys are, you know, like, like me, you don't do a nine to five job. You are living the gig life and you still have a very stable home environment for your boys and for Ellen. I don't know that I would call it stable, but. uh. I would, (laughs) I would. Living under the same roof, they're around the same people all the time. You're always there. You're always there. You're always, you're there every step. They're not, 
changing households. They're not changing communities, the community around them. Mm-hmm. You know, when they see me, they've been seeing me their whole lives. Yeah, you're like your family. There are a few people uh, that are family. You're definitely family for us. And so, yeah, we're having this gym. We've always had a lot of people coming in. Now there's less with COVID or fewer with COVID. Mm-hmm. You're one of those people like when you're in the gym, it's just like us being in the gym. We we feel comfortable. Mm, I love that. And my students are also been there for a long time. I don't have tons of new people coming in right now. And I know with the boys, not now because they're older, but sometime a couple years ago, mostly you would say, hey, I'm going to leave this door open. Can you just watch the boys while I run to the bank? We used to do that quite often. I'd be like, I put my head in, I'd be like, what are you guys doing in there? <laughs> and there, and it'd be silence. And I'd be like, <laughs> I just give them our time. I'm like, what are you guys doing in there? Uh-huh. Are you being good? <laughs> and they're like, Carrie, go away. <laughs> go away, Carrie. And so, uh, and now I see them. And, you know, if I need somebody to take some stuff from the car to the gym, I'm like, hey, you guys. Yeah. Be useful. Anti-clary, yes. <laughs> Be useful. And they're like, okay. <laughs> okay. You know, I got to see him grow up and it's amazing. And I still train and teach at the gym. It's become a home for, for me. And now I bring my bean. Mm-hmm. She runs around. She loves a trampoline. You know, there's this LA, there's this LA circus community that you are in the threads of, you know, you're in the fabric of that. Yeah. We, we, um, originally just built the gym thinking we needed a place to train when we had kids. So we could put them to bed and continue training. And then, um, I think, uh, Rachel Bowman was probably the first one that asked if she could use it. And then, but really we were inspired by Bob Yerkes who opened his backyard up to all the stunt community and would let people just come in and use his space. And we thought, well, we want to do that too. People started coming. People definitely started coming that kept doing it. And I have to say the generosity that you guys have for, you know, a lot of us, you know, for a while it was just donation. And a lot of us don't have tons of, money pouring out of us and just to be able to train and have a safe space, the generosity of you guys at some points, I'd be like, you guys are, you know, so nice. I would never be that nice because I need my privacy more. You guys love having the community there. But now that COVID has come, it's a little different because we're not doing shared space. It's like each group comes in separately. Yeah. I think it's still a great way to go. And I, yeah, I love that. I get to see you, you know, now right now twice a week. And you get to see my bean grow up. You remember, yep, going through many times with you, you know. The, yeah, like the the bad dating and didn't know how it was going to turn out. The bad didn't dating. Know if I was going to end up. We knew about all your dates. <laughs> oh my God, I would come and be like, I have a story for you and you're not going to believe it, except you probably are because the story right before was pretty bad too. Jack and Jerry were just awesome because they're like... Marriage is overrated. (laughs) 
They're like, don't worry about it, okay? Just just chill and enjoy your life. And I wish I had done that more. I didn't really have the capability at that time. I was, but now I have this little bean and it's just like, oh my God, Jerry, I am having so much fun with her. Hmm. I'm having so much fun. It's so great. I knew I didn't want to have kids, but I, I didn't know I'd want to spend all my time with her. Like, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, and Jerry, you're still stunting, right? I am still stunting. So yeah, after I had the, I thought I was going to get Spider-Man three and then we, I hit some bumps in the road. I kept waiting for that call. Well, um, and I kept on calling in and they kept on saying, well, yeah, we're going to call you. Well, it turns out who knows what happens when you're not there. The, the production, they ended up using, I think, Kirsten's stand in who was one of her longtime friends. Mm. What, for whatever reason, I did not continue. And then a lot of times when you go through a pregnancy, people think that you're pregnant for the rest of your life. Yeah. Or they just don't think you're physically capable somehow. I still continue to get stunt work, but not as much as I would like. My um, career in stunts kind of took a dive, but, you know, it's always been there. I'm still getting by. I was just working last night um, on a stunt contract and I coordinated a couple of shows. And we also do this family act. Not only am I trying to get stunt work, I'm also, you know, training a, a, a live show. And raising kids, it's never boring. There's a lot going on. Yeah, and managing a gym, (laughs) some high-maintenance circus artists. Which is great because we have a big community of people that have (laughs) um, with the kids. I was never wanting for a babysitter. And my parents live up in the Northwest, so my mom was here a lot. But when she wasn't here, we had... A community of people that if I needed to go run an errand, like I said, I would just say, hey, who's in the gym? Oh, it's Carrie. Uh, <laughs> can you just, <laughs> I'll just tell the kids you're in here. I'll be right back. Community really, they, they really did give back. I don't know if they had a choice. Like People should have my attitude. It's If Jerry asks me to vacuum the floor after we've used the gym, the answer is, of course. <laughs> you're opening your home to us so that we can work on our art you know if we need to pitch in and clean up after ourselves then that's what you should do I've even done the thing where if I see that somebody's not treating the space well I'll figure out a way to call it out to either Jerry or to that person (laughs) I'm like (laughs) I'm like you are not gonna ruin this for all of us by being a jackass (laughs) I have done that a handful of times over over the last 12 years 13 years you've always been our Best advocate. Even when I knew like my rent would go up, I'd be like, Jerry, you guys need to raise the rent on this base rental for productions because they got the money. You guys deserve it, you know? So I always struggled with that because I wanted to, you know, I know people don't have money and they need a place to train and getting harder over the years with having people in the gym when when we really just wanted to be able to go out, be in the space and they weren't all Mm -hmm. like you. You know, we kind of open it up to everybody. You don't just jive with every with every single person that walks in, of course. Situations where people were telling my kids to leave the gym, which didn't go over very well with me at all. 
And uh, so, we, you know, we had some, obviously some conflict, but um, overall, we've really just, it's got to meet the coolest people. They're there to do circus. They're, a lot of them don't have a lot of money and um, they're thankful and grateful and sweet people trying to make it. You know, it's really enriched our lives. And they're looking for the good vibes too. You know, it's like I've trained in some spaces where I'm like, I don't care what the price is. I'm not going back to, you know, I want to feel like I'm in a emotionally safe space to do my art because that's where everything kind of pours out of you. You know, and I've met so many great, like Erica Lins, Benji, like tons and tons of amazing friends (laughs) I've made because of your house. Thanks so much to Jerry for opening up to us and sharing her beautiful and devastating story. Wanted to send you so much love and appreciation from me and all the LA community who owe so much to you and your family for your generosity. Listeners, if you go to the show notes, there's an easy link to wrap your head around sulks.com to get those free resources. Go ahead and check that out. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins for music and post-production. And if you would honor me with a comment anywhere you get your podcast, I would really love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. This is the Expecting Aerialist Podcast. 